Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. We are in a series called Alternate Endings, and we are moving into the uh, uh, fourth part of that. And if you've been kind of tracking along with us, I hope that this has begun to stir you up to see that, that God is, is really wants to be able to, to have some freedom, for, let, for, for you to give God some freedom, to really begin to move in your life and to carry things in a fresh and new direction. So many times we just feel like that hope has been lost and, and opportunities passed and God still wants to be able to move and bring about a change on these different Fronts. If you've got your Uversion app, if you've got your, um, <clears throat> if you've got your, uh, your bulletin open, then we're going to go. At, we've been looking at this concept over and over again, which is that the resurrection is the greatest alternate ending ever, and it proves to us that God still alters endings. That's what it shows us that God is still in the business of altering endings. That is. What the resurrection speaks to us the loudest. And I want us to look again at 1 Peter 1.3. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I love, I love that this verse shows us that the resurrection isn't just this past event that we look back to when we think, oh, how neat that was. Or that, it, that then we, we use it and we bridge it to our own lives because then we simply look forward to the day where we are resurrected as well because there's a promise of a personal resurrection <coughs> tied to that. But so many times we can do that and we can take the resurrection and we can have these bookends and it's way back there and how amazing that is that that Jesus died and rose again for us. And man, it's awesome. It's going to be one day for us. But this scripture shows us that the resurrection power is at work in us now, that there is a living hope that God's at work in us right now. And that living hope creates this thing where there's this, this expectancy that God's going to do something, even when it seems like maybe things are off the rails a little bit. That's what hope is all about. Hope is all about seeing the good end showing up, that something's going to be wonderful. Uh, <clears throat> this past Monday, took the day off, and as soon as church was over, we loaded up, packed up, uh, me and the kiddos. Uh, sadly, Cutie wasn't feeling too good, and, and then this activity is not one of cutie's favorite activities and so we loaded up and we went camping and so old school throw a tent on the ground camping my two little girls had never been camping and i couldn't wait to take my four-year-old and my six-year-old camping and so the the rest of the crew uh went with us and we went to our one of our favorite camping spots enchanted rock outside of fredericksburg and so it's just like God's playground. I mean, you got all this cool stuff to climb on and just this, this wonderful scenery. And you want to go in the spring because when it gets north of 90 degrees, it's pretty miserable out on that big chunk of granite. And so, but it was a, it was a good time. So we began to, to talk it up and the little girls were excited. And every day they would say, is it, is it camping day? I'm like, no, it's school day. <laughs> you know? 
is it camping day? And then finally I was able to say, it's camping day. And they're just, oh, they were so excited. So we loaded up our stuff and, and we went down. And, of course, it was the longest drive in the whole world. Pressy said it took us weeks to get there. And, and so and uh, it was uh, two hours and 15 minutes. And so and uh, anyways, and so as we got there, we found our campsite. It was a nice little pretty campsite. And, and we got all of our stuff and started pitching our tent. And Pressy, our four-year-old, was just jumping up and down. And she's like, this is the best day ever. And boy, I was like, this is awesome, man. This is, this is, this is wonderful, man. A home run. And uh, having a good time, we go and climb up on the rocks. And, and she was a little scared about that and had a good time. As we went, she got more and more bold. And we had to like, kind of dial her in a little bit. So we slept. And, of course, she don't, she don't weigh nothing. And uh, she's four years old. So the hard ground, she slept great. Um, I, didn't, I saw every hour all night long. And I was like, I, I'm beginning to think my wife's idea of camping is the right idea. of, uh, And so that it has a bellhop and somebody carrying your bags and a cushy bed. That's her idea of camping. She's like, there's, there's not a valet at, at Enchanted Rock. I'm not going there. And so, and, uh, and so, anyway, so we had, uh, we go camping. The next day, we're climbing all over everything. We actually, those two little girls hiked nine miles up and down rocks. They were amazing. And so when it was over, uh, Brooklyn, our oldest one, asked Pressy. She said, so, was, just, was this just the best thing ever? Because Brooklyn loves Enchanted Rock and loves camping. And, and, uh, and <clears throat> my, uh, Lulu loves it. And all my, all my older kids, they just love Enchanted Rock. And they were just like, she, she was like so excited. She's like, Pressy, was this the best thing ever? And Pressy's like, I wouldn't say it was the best. <laughs> it was fun. She turns to Colin, the six-year-old, and says, so did you like it? I wouldn't be afraid to come back. Like, oh my goodness, this is this is not this was not as awesome as I thought it was. You know, but sometimes you, you you jump into something and you go like this is the best thing ever, and then you experience it, and you're like, well, I wouldn't say it was the best. And so many times in life that's some places come along where where things we we get all excited and then we we experience it or it doesn't go the route we thought it would go and and disappointment awaits and we really wish it would have ended a little different and one of the most difficult places is when somebody promises you something somebody else it's one thing to kind of build it up with yourself but it's a whole another thing when somebody else says hey I'm going to do this for you hey this is the way this is going to be somebody makes promises and then they don't follow through and all of a sudden we find ourselves in a place often find ourselves in a place where we end up in the wrong place because somebody else didn't follow through it's like we've already experienced a bad ending at someone else's expense but I need you to understand that God is still able to turn things to our good God's still able so many times, some of the frustrations and the dead ends in life we feel like are because somebody else did not follow through. I kept my part of the bargain. I did what I said I was going to do. I did all those things, and somebody else failed me. And those can be some of the biggest setbacks and frustrations and messed up things in life. 
I want us to quickly look at Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28 tells us that, and we know. Folks, as Christ followers, we've got to know this. I love the way Paul puts this. He then saying we hope, or we guess, or we're crossing our fingers. He says, and we know that in all things... God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Folks, God in all things can work to our good. This is the beauty of being connected with God. Now, we need to understand what this is not saying. This is not saying that God caused all things. God did not create all things. We just It wasn't that long ago we clearly covered the, the thing that God doesn't send bad or difficult stuff into our lives to try to teach us a lesson. He's not the author of those things. Jesus clearly said in John 10, 10, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. If there are things that are active in your life that are stealing and killing and bringing destruction, God is not the author of that. But here is what is awesome. Here is what's amazing is that even though our own stupidity and our bad decisions and the bad decisions of others and the attacks of the enemy can come in and create chaos, our God is so much bigger than that that he can then work in the chaos and still bring good to our lives. That if we will lean into him and to his purpose, and you're like, well, what's his purpose? What's his purpose? I can tell you his purpose. His purpose is to bring you about into full image of the Son. He's already said it. Grow us in Christ's likeness. No matter what gets thrown at us, God will use it and be able to grow us in becoming more Christ-like. That's why even when somebody doesn't follow through and we have to be forgiving, we, he's growing us in more Christ-like. When somebody is super late and we're having to be patient, he, that patience is helping us to become more Christ-like. Whenever we're having to be respond with kindness, when maybe we would want to respond with a little bit of harshness, the Spirit of God is working in us and making us more Christ-like. The, God's purpose is to get us back to the original design. See, sin jacked us up. God created us in His image, perfectly in His image. And the Holy Spirit, as soon as we have the new birth, we're heaven ready right then. But folks, let's all be honest. Man, we are, we're all still messing up and jacking up and hurting things, our lives and other people, where our own, our own frailty is still at work. Well, he is completing that new birth growth in creating us to become more and more and more like the original design all along. So we have to lean into it. We have to lean into that and recognize God doesn't bring the hurt and the bad into our lives. But he will, if we'll give it to him, work it for our good. I want us to look at Psalm chapter 12. Here's the um, Psalm of David. The men, all the men who went on the men's retreat know we spent, looked at the life of David. And that David was a man after God's own heart. Uh, he was not perfect, even kind of. He made some massive mistakes. But he's a man after God's own heart, and a lot of his prayers and psalms and songs end up in the Scriptures. And I want us to, to see that there's a place where the Scriptures recognize our frustration. They recognize our frustration with one another. And let's look at Psalm chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. 
David writes, help, Lord, for no one thinks. Sorry, I've not felt the best this week. I'm actually just, that's why my voice sounds funny. Is that better? Do I sound a little better? All right, a little better. All right. Help, Lord, for no one is faithful anymore. Those who are loyal have vanished from the human race. It's a pretty big statement. Those who are loyal are gone from humanity. They're just, boop, they're gone. Everybody's a bunch of dirt bags. Nobody's any good. Everyone lies to their neighbor. They flatter with their lips but harbor deception in their hearts. Folks, this was written a long, 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 long time ago. Thousands and thousands of years ago. And how easily could we grab these couple of scriptures and go, you know what? This describes my regular interaction with people all the time. All the time. We see this. People fail. People don't fall through. People break their promises. We're about to look at the life of a guy who... God moved and worked through, but this guy didn't do things right, and then he had some things sideways done to him. But here's what was true of Jacob, also known as Israel, is that he leaned into God, and he trusted God, and God brought about a good outcome. Before we get into Genesis chapter 29, we have to talk um, about Genesis chapter 28. And Genesis chapter 28 is where... Um, Jacob, who's the younger of two twin brothers, Jacob and Esau, um, that Jacob wanted the inheritance. He wanted the birthright because there's the two boys and the older got the double portion. So he got the honor, he got the blessing, he got all that kind of stuff. And, and his older brother was a bit of a brute and loved to hunt and all that. And, and Jacob was a little more delicate. He had soft, smooth skin, and his brother was this rugged, outdoorsy guy. And daddy really loved, daddy Isaac really loved his son Esau. He just thought Esau was the man. He was, he was hairy, and he was smelly, and he killed stuff, and he was awesome. He was the boy. And uh, Jacob was a mama's boy, and it says so. And uh, his mama really loved him. He leaned to his mom. He's a lot more delicate guy. And... Um, Anyways, and so as things go on, he decides that, man, he really wants the birthright. And his mom comes along and says, here's a way for you to be able to claim it. Now, prior to this, Jacob had been inside cooking up some stew, and Esau had been outside hunting, and nothing worked. He came home empty-handed, and he was so hungry. He was so hungry, and he's like, look, I see that stew you've got there. Give me some stew. And Jacob says, you know what? I'll sell it to you. Give me your birthright. Let me be considered the firstborn. And Esau's like, well, what good is my birthright to me if I die of hunger? I tell you, this is what drama will get you, folks. <laughs> Ain't nobody actually starving to death like that. He was just out hunting. I guarantee you weren't counting a man's ribs. And so, but you get all wrapped up in the drama, and you will make some massive bad decisions folks we need to have let the holy spirit kind of dial the drama out of our lives sometimes 
anyways, and so and he is all wrapped up in the drama. He's like, what good is it to me if I die of hunger anyways? Sure, you can have the birthright. Give me the stew. So he's like, all right. So he takes the stew and he eats it and he goes on. And now, fair trade, Jacob has the birthright. Well, Daddy Isaac, he ain't going to honor that. He's not going to see to that. So Mama has a plan. She's going to dress him all up and make him hairy and stinky and have him bring in some stuff and get Daddy to bless him. And so Dad, that <coughs> Daddy Isaac does it and prays over him. And then Esau finds out, and he is mad, 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 because he's been swindled out of what's rightfully his. And so Mom says, get out of here. I'm going to send you to my brothers. Get out of here, and, and you're, you need to go, and you need to be taken care of because your brother's going to kill you. Literally, he's going to take you out. So he runs, and now he's back at his uncle Laban's house hiding because he kind of was a bit of a deceiver to his brother. And we catch up in, in chapter 29, and his cousin is good-looking. And he sees his good-looking cousin and this is kind of, bef- it was okay, folks. This ain't weird. And so it's weird today. It wasn't weird then. And so Jacob, in verse 18, was in love with Rachel and said, I will work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban, his uncle, says it's better that I give her to you than some other man. What a, what a great thing. <laughs> yes, better I give her to you than some other guy. Sure. I mean, does Rachel even have a choice in this? Uh, no. And um, so stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but it's, they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. This was the direct opposite of what Pressy felt driving to Kent, that it took weeks. This is the direct opposite. He was like, I'm about to have this incredible, awesome wife. And he worked seven years to be able to get the the right, to be able to get the hand and blessing of Rachel. So, so Jacob worked the seven years. It seemed only a few days because of his love for her. And then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. My time is completed. And I want to make love to her. That's kind of blunt. And so uh, he is, uh, he got the, he got the motor running. And, uh, and so, uh. Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. And when evening came, he took his daughter Leah, the older sister, and brought her to Jacob. And Jacob made love to her. And Laban gave his servant Zilpah to his daughter as her, as her attendant. And then morning came, and there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this you've done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? And Laban replied, it's not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week, and then I will give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. And so there's all, I mean, this is like way Jerry Springer crazy right here. I mean, this is, this is crazy. And, and, so, and so here he is. He's caught. He, he's in love with, with Rachel. He's now married to her sister. 
And, but he really wants this other deal. And, of course, things were very different back in, in, in those times. And um, so here he is. And his uncle just keeps changing everything on him. He says, I'm going to do this for you. And then ends up changing it. You read the story forward. And after the seven years, he's like, you know, well, you know what else can, can I earn here? And Laban's like, okay, well, you take care of my flocks. You do a great job with this. And so everybody wanted the good sheep or the, the nice, pretty, spotless sheep. So they're like, okay. Jacob says, I will take all the streaked ones, all the ones that have all the streaked color in them, the one nobody wants anyways, let those be my wages. So anything that's born that's, that's not perfect, I'll take it. So they're like, okay, well, guess what? Everything that was born was straight. So that first crop is all belongs to Jacob. So Laban's like, oh, that's messed up. Um, 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 no, 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 not the streaked. I want the streaked. You get the spotted ones. You can have anything that's spotted. Sure enough, next lambing season, everything comes along spotted. They keep going through over and over and over again, and he keeps changing his wages, and every time Jacob ends up on top. We see here in Genesis chapter 31, verse 6, it says, You know that I've worked for your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me by changing my wages ten times. However, God has not allowed him to harm me. Jacob, in all his mess and in all this drama and all this thing, knew that, that God was ultimately his protector. That God was where he needed to lean into. And even though his employer, his father-in-law, this family, this big mess, that this guy kept lying and cheating and all this kind of stuff, that, that God still brought about this good end. See, the second pain of dealing with broken promises with people is learning to trust again. Our trust should be in a God who is faithful. He finally has a conversation and it'll be on the screen, not in your bulletin. <clears throat> with Laban, Laban, Jacob leaves and he takes his, his wives with him. And, and uh, Laban's mad and hunts him down. And uh, they have a conversation. He says, I've been with you for 20 years now. Your sheep and your goats have not miscarried. I've not eaten rams from your flock. I did not bring you animals torn by a wild beast. I bore the loss myself. And you demanded payment from me for whatever was stolen by day or by night. This was my situation. The heat consumed me in the daytime. The cold at night. The sleep fled from my eyes. It was like this for me 20 years I was in your household. I worked for you 14 for your two daughters and six years for your flocks. And you changed my wages 10 times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac had not been with me, you would have surely sent me away empty-handed. But God has seen my hardship and the toil of my hands. And the last night he rebuked you. See, uh, he had had a vision in the night that told him not to harm Jacob. Here we see Jacob's side of the story. That this guy's taking advantage of him and, and changing his wages and all that. And every time he went above and beyond. He still did the right thing. He still acted honorably. So many times when people, when we find ourselves in a situation where people aren't doing right by us, we say, okay, fine, all bets are off. Because 
you've done wrong, and now I don't have to be a person of integrity anymore. I don't have to keep my word anymore. I don't have to work hard anymore. I don't have to honor you. I don't have to treat you right because you're treating me wrong. And we see here that Jacob found a place that even if he could have blamed some loss and let his father-in-law take it, he took it himself. If there was a place of discrepancy, he took the hit himself. And when it was all said and done, even though Laban was messing him over every chance he got, when the dust settled, Jacob came out okay. And he gives the credit that God was with him. He wanted to honor God in the way he handled things and the way he did things. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken to, by us to the glory of God. See, folks, amen means so be it. When we're praying, and at the end of our prayer, if you didn't already know that, then we, when we say amen, we're saying so be it. We want that to happen. Let it be. That is what we're saying when we say amen. And here the, the scripture is saying that in Christ, God's promises are yes, and they're amen. They're so be it. And even though people all around us still fall into Psalms chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, all the time, that we have a God who's bigger than Psalms chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And we can trust him, and we can walk honorably, and can we, we can do the right thing and trust that when the dust settles... God will bring an alternate ending. Even if someone has set themselves against us, even if someone is trying to cheat us, even when somebody is messing things, if we will purpose to honor God and to walk in a place of integrity. Folks, at some point, at some point, the whirlwind has to stop. At some point, and guess where it stops? With you and I. That everybody else gets caught up in the chaos. Says, okay, well, you don't keep your promises, so now I don't have to keep my promises I found my out in the contract. I found this. I found that. And, and then all of a sudden, at some point, somebody has to go, no, I'm going to do the right thing because it's the right thing. And trust that God is going to be with us and then he's the one taking care of our back. We have to do it. Folks, what, what would the world look like if every Christ follower just started to trust that God would be at work and we didn't have to defend ourselves all the time? We didn't have to, to make our own way all the time. That we could just love people and be patient with people and go the extra mile with people. And when people did us dirty, that we would be right and we would honor our word and do things. What would that do to our culture? I guarantee you it would begin to make a turn. And I know it will make a turn if you implement it in your family. I know it will make a turn if you implement it there. You begin to do it in your family and you will see the dynamic of your family begin to change. Maybe everybody in your family isn't honest. Maybe everybody in your family isn't doing the right thing. Maybe everybody in your family isn't, isn't falling through, but you begin to do it. And just trust in God. Just trust in God because He is faithful. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says, The one who calls you is faithful, and He will do it. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful who called you into His fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Folks, our bottom line today is God's unaltering faithfulness gives us an alternate ending. God's unaltering faithfulness. Not people, 
Not all of that, not, not the government, not any of those things. God's unaltering faithfulness is what we hold to. So folks, I want you to get this buried deep down inside of you. Don't ever, ever, ever let the unfaithfulness of a person make you question the faithfulness of God. He is faithful. He is faithful. Folks, your story isn't over. The resurrection proves that God still brings an alternate ending. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.